Uh, I am a huge fan of How to Train Your Dragon, and what I've realized is this. Um, if you actually come to my office one day, you'll see a huge framed poster of How to Train Your Dragon 2, okay? And uh, part of the reason is because whenever I was in the Philippines, I was over there for the summer, I was at the end of my deal, I had a week to kind of relax one day, and so I went to IMAX Theater in the Philippines, and I watched on opening weekend How to Train Your Dragon 2. And I sat there with four of my buddies who were on my mission trip with me, two of them were Filipino, and we sat there in How to Train Your Dragon 2. If you've seen it, I don't want to spoil it for you, but you need to go see it. There is a heartbreaking moment about, I don't know, two-thirds of the way into the movie, and I'm not kidding, all four of us, grown men, we're crying. I'm like, what? It's an animated film. What am I doing over here, you know? But I'm not kidding. Like, I was missing my fam. There was a family moment. I was like, gosh, what in the world? My buddy, he's like, he doesn't even speak English. He's like, I don't know what's happening. You know, he's like, I don't know. You know, I'm like, I get it, bro. I'm with you. I'm a huge fan of How to Train Your Dragon. And here's the deal. I showed you that clip because if you know the story of How to Train Your Dragon 1, 2, and 3, you will notice that that moment right there is a special moment. Like it's a big deal at the end of the movie. But if you don't know what's happening for Hiccup and Toothless and all the other journeys, their friends are on this journey with them, if you don't know the story, then let me be honest with you, you're not going to have any idea what that whole shindig was about, right? You don't have any idea what's going on. I tell you that because today we're looking at Exodus Chapter 15, verse 11, and it says, very clearly, it says, Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? And we could drop in right into Exodus 15 and see that verse, but if we don't understand what has happened before those verses, we don't fully understand the context. Because in this scenario, Israel are standing on the shoreline against the sea, and they are praising God. They are literally writing a song to sing praises to the Lord in that very moment. This is what I want to ask you to do in your groups. We're going to start with a little bit of a discussion question and see if y'all can determine what's going on here. Why are the people of Israel giving praises to God? Let me get the question for you exactly right. The discussion question says, what events and wonders led the people to give praise to God? What led them to praise the Lord? So thinking through the book of Exodus and what happens to that point, maybe even some of the things in Genesis, as a group, I want you to take just a few minutes and try to think through what has caused the people of Israel to want to shout the praises of God in this moment right here. All right, go. All right, all right. So y'all should be coming to a little bit of a conclusion of some things that might have happened to lead them to the place where they're ready to worship the Lord. And what I've got, I've got Miss Grace Wade up here with me, and she's going to write down, yeah, Grace is awesome, yeah. We're going to write down a couple of the things that y'all say that the Lord had done or was doing to lead them to the spot of worship. So I'm going to open the floor and see, right here, what about over here in this group? That's right. God had led the Israelites out of Egypt through the hands and the power and the equipping of the man named Moses. Yeah. I'm going to come right over here. Back here, Kenan. What about you, bud? That's right, man. They were up against the sea. The army was about to attack them. The Egyptians were about to slay them. And the Lord tells Moses, put your staff on the water. The water shoot up both sides and they cross on dry ground. That's amazing. Yeah. What else? Right here. 
That's so true. So through the ten plagues, God delivered the people of Israel. Those ten plagues were a big deal. Those were a big deal. What about right here? Yeah, oh my goodness, that was a huge moment. That was the final plague. It was whenever the, the angel came by and he had taken out the firstborn in the city of Egypt for those who did not trust in the blood of the lamb. Yeah, what about right here? Yeah, they were being led out of Egypt, heading into the promised land. Yeah, so true. Yeah, what about right here? Gave them safe travels on the way to the promised land. That's what's about to begin right here. Yeah. What do I hear in the back? The plagues? Yeah, the plagues. The Lord, Lord had cast plagues all over the city of Egypt, or the land of Egypt. There's a lot that we can see here. And one of that Grace put up here just a moment ago was that y'all said the 10 plagues. Do y'all remember what those 10 plagues were? Can y'all name some of them for us? Right here in the back. There's a whole bunch of hands there. River into blood. The what? The locust? Yeah, what else? The frogs. Oh, I cannot stand frogs. Ugh. The flies, the gnats. Yeah, what else? What right here, man? Right there in the, yeah, sweater. Yeah, come on. The boils. Oh, goodness gracious, the boils. Yeah, what right here? Yeah, the sons, the firstborns, yeah. Livestock. livestock. Please, I just want a, a recording of you just saying livestock all the time. That's fine. Yeah, what else right here? The water turned to blood. Yeah. What about right here? Yeah. Yeah, the hail, the storms, the ice that hit, that was huge. Now, listen, we can talk about a lot of different plagues. We talk about how they were led out of the land of Egypt but it even, it's so much more there. What we're seeing is, is that there was, a, there was the people of Israel that were in bondage. I appreciate your help, Grace. I didn't walk that. There was the people of Israel that were in bondage, in slavery. And they cry out to God, Lord, would you deliver us from the hands of the Egyptians? They are making us slaves. We are doing work that is hard labor that is not worth what we're like. It is so difficult. Lord, would you rescue us from the situation? And God raises up a man named Moses. He tells Moses, you're going to go into Egypt. You are going to deliver my people Israel out of the land of Egypt. Pharaoh is going to let them go. And so Moses, really nervous, kind of walks into the land of Egypt, goes up to Pharaoh and says, let God's people go. And the Pharaoh says, that's right. And because of that, the Lord struck down 10 different plagues that you guys were naming just now on the land of Egypt. 10 different plagues in the land of Egypt. And the reason... He did that was to show the Egyptians that the God of Israel was greater than the gods of Egypt. Does that make sense? You're like, whoa, whoa, what do you mean these other gods? So when you read the Bible, you'll see the capital G God. That's our God, the God that we worship. And then you had the lowercase g gods. And this is what you would see all over the place. Whenever I um, went to the Philippines, I would see oftentimes people were worshiping different lowercase gods. Even in Colombia, when I was in the Amazon, they were worshiping lowercase g gods. They just believed in different spirits and things that would bless them if they would treat them right. 
And in Egypt, where Israel was currently camped out as slaves, they were worshiping a God on every single corner. They would worship the sun God. They would worship the God of the weather, the God of the livestock. They would worship the God of health. They would worship the, the, they worship the God of the water and irrigation and everything else. Like, they just worshiped a God for everything. They thought if they would treat them right, make sacrifices appropriately, then that those things would bless their city or bless their town or bless Egypt. And what happens here is God comes in and lays down 10 different plagues showing that where you believe in this God to take care of your livestock, I am over top of that God and I will, I will kill all of your livestock and you will turn to me. You, you believe in the God of health that protects you? Boom! Here's a bunch of boils on the people of Egypt. So you see that the God of Israel is different than your gods that you worship. Does that make sense? Our God that we read about in Exodus 15 is one that is unique. He is different than the other gods. That's why it says, the Lord, our God, who is like you. Who is like you among the other gods? He says, who is like you? Holy. Do you know what holy means? It means to be set apart. It means he is higher. He is greater. He is different than all the others. It says that he is amazing and wonderful. I'll tell you this. Do you really look at the Lord? For me, I wrestle with the same thing. Do I look at the Lord in this way? You see, what had happened for Israel is they saw God work in so many unique ways in Egypt where the Lord was freeing them from the hands of Pharaoh. They came to the sea. They saw the seas part and they walked over on dry ground and the waves crashed in, destroying the Egyptians that were pursuing them. They saw the way that God protected them and all that they could do was this, was lift up their hands in praise. Who is like you, Lord? Who is like you, God? Who is unmatched with anyone else who is like you in majesty and holy and good and awesome like who is like my God have you ever looked to the Lord like that have you ever looked to the Lord and said man my God truly is like no one else my God is loving my God is patient my God is merciful my God is slow to anger My God is forgiving. My God is powerful. He is my rock. He is my fortress. He is my stronghold. He is my foundation and my defense. He is the one that gives me life. He is the one that has changed my life. That is my God. Have you ever looked at him like that? I remember as a student, I don't remember how old I was. I remember the home I was living in. And I remember it was an afternoon I was in the back seat of my car. I was sitting in the back seat. My mom and dad were in the front seat. They were driving. One of them was driving. I don't know which one. They weren't driving like together. You know, that's not what they were. But they were both driving. And uh, not both driving. One of them was driving. The other one was in the passenger seat. Okay, that's what I'm trying to say. And um, I remember I was sitting in the back seat. To my left was the old Brighton High School. To the right was my math teacher's house, Miss Wanda. She lived right across the street. And then right up ahead was Main Street with like Wells Kitchen and stuff. I remember we turned out of Lucy, Lucy Kelly Road, turned left onto that street. I don't remember the name of it. And I remember as clear as day, I was looking out to the window on my right, looking outside, and I was just thinking, God, you're so good. Like, you're so awesome. Like, look at creation. Look how you blessed me with incredible parents. Look how you blessed me with life. And I'm not kidding. I'm not trying to be like, y'all probably think I'm a total nerd. I just, 
I only started tearing up in the back seat thinking about how awesome God was. Like I, and that wasn't me. Like I was a total, like I'm trying to be cool. I'm not trying to be like, you know, like I'm not gonna tear up in front of people, you know, but I was in the back seat. I was like wiping my eyes my mom and dad didn't see, but I was just like, man, God is so good. He is so awesome. Have you ever had a moment in your life where you've really said, man, God is amazing? Was it when you got saved? I remember when I got saved and I was just so overjoyed, even as a seven-year-old, about how amazing God is that he could save me. I remember whenever my best friend, I was in high school, my friend Alex, who was a total dude that like did not care about God at all, like just did whatever he wanted. He was, he was into things that he shouldn't be as that age. And I remember he got saved at my old church one Sunday morning, just came forward in tears, said, I need to give my life to Jesus. That moment right there had me rocked. Like, I was just floored by how amazing God is that he could save my friend Alex, this guy that no one would have thought would have ever gotten saved. I remember coming home from when I talked about the Philippines. I remember coming home, sitting in a gym in Alabama, and just thinking at the end of the summer, singing for the first time in a worship service, just thinking, God, you're so good. Like, you are so good to me. You never fail me. You're constantly working. Whenever I'm going through trials or hardships, like you are still in the middle of it. You're still the God that was of Egypt, the God of Israel when he was going through Egypt. Like you're still the God today of Corey when I'm walking through my Egypts and you're still here today working in my life. The verse that we were just reading, can we go back to it? Psalm, or, uh, Exodus 15 verse 11. Everybody read it with me off the screen one more time. It says this, Who is like you, O Lord? Among the gods, who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, and doing wonders. Now, what if we did that and said that like we really meant it, you know? What if you guys in your seat really said that and believed that with me right now? Can y'all shout it with me? Like, really just say it? I know what y'all are thinking. You're thinking, oh my goodness, Corey, you're making me, you're out of my comfort zone. But what if we really shouted, the middle school ministry really said with me all together on three, one, two, three, who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? Amen, right? That's our God. He's amazing. I, I tell you that because here's the deal. I believe my goal tonight is not for you to go away doing something extra. My goal tonight is for you to walk away saying, my God really is awesome. My God really is awesome. 2 Samuel verse, uh, chapter 2. Do we have that verse up here? 2 Samuel chapter 2. It says that, or 1 Samuel chapter 2 says this. There is none holy like the Lord. There is none besides you. There is no rock like our God. That is who we serve. That is who we have. That is who loves you every single week. A God that is unlike anyone, who's unmatched with anyone else. I want to ask you a question. I want you to talk about this with your groups, but here's the, here's the question I want to give you. Can you remember a time in your life when you wanted to do nothing more than to just sing of God's praises? What led you to that point? When is a moment, think about your small group right here, think about where you're at. When is a moment that you really have said, man, all I want to do is really just sing of the praises of God? Like where like my friends didn't matter for a moment, the other activities didn't matter for a moment. I really just was like, I really just want to worship the Lord. Can you think of a moment? 
If you can't, maybe some of our leaders can help navigate and help you talk about some of the moments when they had experienced that. And what we're going to do is when we finish up some of our discussion time, we're going to take a moment. I'll come back and we'll talk about what we're going to do to finish out with a moment of really praising the Lord. Okay? So take a few minutes, a few minutes and ask with your group, what are some moments in your journey that led you to really want to worship the Lord? Okay? We'll come back.